It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Crushing conspiracy known by its project name, Force Perspective. This is episode 91. Logan gets out of Skull Island. That's a mouthful. <laughs> I'm your host, Sports Guy 515. And on this episode, the Oscars are officially behind us, and we're diving headfirst into 2017's releases with reviews of Logan, Get Out, and Kong Skull Island. But before we get into that, let me introduce my co-host, my talented co-host, I should say, the man with a wackier beard than John C. Riley, ladies and gentlemen, Adolfo. Uh, well, I don't know. My beard has not gotten to those those quite levels yet. <laughs> but you wish it did, though. <laughs> That's why it, it breaks your heart when you have to trim it. Because <laughs> you're trying to go for something there. Uh, I really only trim it whenever uh, I need to for work. Otherwise, I just, I just let it grow, man. Exactly, bro. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome back to Force Perspective. Uh, just some quick plugs. Uh, if you didn't listen to our last episode, which is our Oscar recap, do that now. We are It's officially available on iTunes. Um, we talked about basically everything that went on at the Oscars, including that big controversy with the best picture, uh, best picture winner announcement, I should say. So check that out. We also announced on that show that the uh, Force Perspective social media empire is officially launched. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we're posting updates between either myself or Adolfo uh, regularly. I, I would say like about, you know, every couple days we post something. So definitely check us out there. We'll be posting the show links there as well. Um, all right. So let's get into this, man. Um, so... My first trip to the movies after the Oscars, after the Best Picture Showcase, was for Logan. And I was pretty hyped for this one. I think you were pretty hyped for that as well. Um, I think a lot of people were. Uh, after we saw that trailer with the Johnny Cash song, you know, brilliant use of his music. Um, but now, what's the movie going to be like? So, Adolfo, I'm going to let you get things started here. Tell us a little bit about Logan. Okay, so Logan takes place in uh, in the future. I believe the year is 2029. Uh, the mutant uh, population is no more, or at least it's uh, significantly reduced. Um, there's no more X-Men. Uh, you get the feeling that they're either dead or gone. I think they're dead. Um, Logan, uh, who's, you know, 
he, he his, his mutant power has always been that he's been able to to heal himself from any injury. Uh, as you can see from the beginning of the film, not only has he aged, which the whole healing factor was supposed to slow him, slow down his aging. Not only has he aged, but he's he's also got some visible scars as his healing is not quite uh, working the way it used to. Um, he's clearly lost several steps, and uh, he's his uh, healing factor is is starting to kind of turn on him, starting to start to slowly kind of uh, – he's starting to age and, and, and grow old now. Um, you find out that he's taking care of uh, a very old and senile Professor X who's, uh, who's, whose powers have, got, his, have become so much uh, – have kind of taken over him so much that he's kind of having these crazy uh, uh, seizures that kind of affect everybody around him. Um, and he takes care of him with this uh, with this guy named Caliban, who is a uh, uh, who is another mutant, one of the few remaining mutants who can who is able to track other mutants, and that becomes important later on. Um, so that that's basically where Logan is at at the beginning of the film. Uh, there's a mysterious woman that kind of keeps tracking him down, who wants it, who wants her to take this this little girl off of her hands and take her to is it North Dakota or South Dakota? It's North Dakota. North Dakota. Uh, it's North Dakota to, to get her to keep her safe. Of course, Logan wants no part of it. He's not a hero anymore. He doesn't believe in, in saving people anymore. But uh, uh, but uh, uh, through a series of uh, circumstances, we're not going to get into too much. He becomes forced to take this this uh, young lady and uh, and uh, Professor X on the road to North Dakota while a bunch of bad guys follow him. Uh, and that's the basic storyline. Um, th this, this is a very interesting film because this is the second um, X-Men film, I guess we should say, we've gotten in about in a year that doesn't follow the traditional uh, X-Men formula, the first being Deadpool last year. Uh, and, th and this is more, and this, you know, there's, it's Wolverine. Uh, this is, I believe, Hugh Jackman's ninth Wolverine film, if you count his two cameos in First Class and in Apocalypse, um, and uh, you know this is his, his supposed la supposedly his last film, uh, and uh, kind of a, a, a an interesting way to go out on. Um, th this is very loosely based on a comic book storyline called Old Man Logan, which uh, it's supposed to, it's supposed to tell the quote unquote last Wolverine story. And uh, if this is the last Wolverine story with with Hugh Jackman, I think. I think they went on on a very high note. I agree. I agree because, and you can especially tell with uh, with Hugh Jackman's performance. I mean, this is probably the most. I don't know if you'll agree with me there, but this is probably the most nuanced, the most really uh, dramatic Wolverine we've we've really ever seen on screen, portrayed by Hugh Jackman. Like he, you really got to see like the effects of him. Like it's twenty twenty nine is the future. We really got to see like how much time has taken a toll on him and how his attitude has become. And yet, you know, he's still taking care of, like, the last of his family, which is Professor X. Um, I just loved his entire performance, just, you know, whether he got into the action scenes, which, the, like, you know, that final sequence where he started just slashing motherfuckers. You know, that was, like, he, he got into, like, real Wolverine mode, and he knew he was having fun with that. That was probably the last time he was ever going to get to do that, and he really had fun with it. Um, he also got into good some dramatics, especially with uh, Patrick Stewart, who was excellent. Probably the best he's ever played. Uh, Professor X here, Patrick Stewart, another one whose acting here was just phenomenal. And then especially Logan's scenes with um, with uh, X-23, who uh, aka Laura, played by Daphne Keene, newcomer. Um, those scenes as well were very, very heartfelt in, in many places and very emotional. Uh, I mean, what do you what do you think of this of this performance, man? Like, 
everybody not everybody but i'm one of the few proponents right now that are saying that this guy should get an oscar nomination i mean it is still march you know it is early you know maybe we might get like 10 other better performances but right now like if it were to be held like next month or something i think he would be the front runner for that just based on this performance i mean i it's too early to tell something like that and and you know it's um it's too early to tell a uh a, a, nomination for an Oscar performance this early in the year. Uh, I will say that um, I think it shouldn't be ignored when it comes down to, to looking at award season because, I mean, yes, it is a genre film, but he did a very good job. I was, I was actually probably a little more impressed with Patrick Stewart's performance just as a as this kind of a, a dying old man. But um, one thing we also kind of glossed over was, and you kind of you kind of, uh, kind of of mentioned it a little bit there, uh, was the fact that this this movie is very uh, very violent and it's actually rated R, um, and uh, much like Deadpool, it takes advantage of its R rating. It's the first uh, uh, Wolverine movie to have an R rating, which is kind of ridiculous when you think about it because the character lends itself to R ratings. Uh, but it, it uses the most of it. And it's it doesn't. Um, what my concern was with Deadpool kind of opening up the door to R-rated comic book movies was that I was afraid that it would become uh, R-rated for R-rated sake. Uh, but I feel like the violence in this film and, and the way they portrayed it worked to its advantage, and I don't think it was too over the top. I think it was over the top enough uh, for the film. And uh, I don't know. What did you think about the R-rating? Uh, I think it was used pretty much – it was very subtle. Like, it, it, they use it to its full intent, I think, especially that opening scene with with Logan at the gas station. That pretty much had to say, okay, this is not, like, some PG-13, PG, you know, affair. This is, uh, this is gonna get real, real quick. And when you saw what Logan did to those guys, it was like, okay, yeah, this is an R-rated film. But after that, you don't really see it that much. Like, you have the story unfold, you have the, the dramatic side come out. Um, then you have that big scene at the at the farm where it got pretty violent, and then the final sequence. Um, so they weren't really beating you over the head with it, but like when you know when it came time to use it, they really did use it, and that's what I really like about this film using its R rating. Like it, it doesn't beat you over the head with it; it just it, it just feels natural. It's not like something that was forced or like that's that like you said is R rated for R rating sake. Like for example, the Killing Joke. Yeah, well, that was dumb. Uh, let's let's like it. Let's not get into freaking killing joke yet. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, not just the acting, but definitely just the action sequences too. Like I mentioned, the one at the gas station at the beginning was pretty intense. The uh, the mid, uh, I guess the the mid action sequence at the farm was also, I mean, it was pretty lengthy and it was pretty intense as well. And then you have also the final sequence of Wolverine. I mean, I mean, we're not gonna get to spoilers here, but the final sequence where like Wolverine has to confront all the baddies, and he kind of just starts going nuts. He kind of gets his old his old self back in a way and starts just slashing motherfuckers. Um, yeah, but- I, and that that was one thing I, I was a little kind of like, uh, I don't know, annoyed isn't the word, but it was a little like. That that magic serum that gave like gave his power. Like I didn't like that. I thought that was a little cheesy. Um, I thought that was kind of like, uh, do we have to like do this? Like, can't 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 we just have him have his powers, or can't we just have, you know, whatever? Like, I just thought that magic, like that magic green liquid that they had to keep injecting was kind of was a little silly. Wasn't there a point to that? I mean, it, it wasn't just like a magic green serum. It was like it was something. There was something to it that I can't remember now what it is off the top of my head. Like they were using. Oh, it they gave it mutants. some. 
or something. They gave it. They gave it like you know sci-fi movie, you know science explanation. But for for all intents and purposes, it was a magic serum. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they didn't really explain what happened, why it did anything. It did. It was just like, oh, it works. You know, you see, you inject it in there, it works. And and I don't know. For what and a lot of other movies, like I can like I, I can kind of like ignore. It. But for some reason, that kind of stuck out to me as like as like kind of like silly. I, um, now again, I'm willing to ignore it because the movie, the rest of the movie was so good. Uh, but it was just kind of one of those things. Like, eh, did we need that? Did that need to be there? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I can't argue with that. But uh, I do also want to talk about, and I want to get your thoughts on the story itself. Um, this is a different Logan than we've really been used to in the other X-Men films. I mean, like we said, like the story kind of sets you up that you know. I mean we have to assume that he saw or he knows of like most of his ex-partners, ex-comrades in the X-Men are pretty much dead. You know, only really Professor X is left at this point and, and Caliban, if you want to count him. But I mean, this is kind of a, a Logan that again, we're not really used to seeing. Um, I don't know if you read the old man Logan story and if you did, like what did you think of its adaptation to the, to the film? Uh, I haven't read the old Van Logan story, so I'm not sure how true or faithful it is. I don't. I think they took liberties, to be honest. I think they just took the the, the concept uh, of of uh, you know the last Wolverine story, and then you know, and then kind of went from there. Um, it, so I don't really know how how faithful it is. Not that that really matters. It really only matters if the film is good, and the film is good. Um, so I can't really uh, give you like an apples to apples comparison. Right. But I mean, I mean, just going by just the story itself. I mean, you have Logan pretty much at the end of his rope. Um, he kind of gets saddled with this with this little girl that is now all of a sudden his responsibility. And then you kind of see him kind of react to that emotionally. Um, and then you see at, at Professor X being basically the, the the like the grandfather or the father figure in, in this scenario. Um, I just really like the characterization of these guys, just how. Um, they, they dealt with the situation. They dealt with the, the world that they live in currently. I think I believe, according to the uh, to the film, like no new mutants have been born in like 25 years. That like the last 25 years, which is why pretty much mutants are dead, to an extent. Like they're the last so, of the mutants. It's, it's kind of like in the Children of Men scenario, right? Exactly, exactly, perfect. See, I didn't even think of that, but that's perfect actually. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but what did you think of the story overall? Like, did you like were there pro were there like plot problems with it, or like what did you? What did you enjoy? What did you not enjoy about the story? Well, like I said, my, my major issue was that magic green serum. I thought that was silly, and I know I get that. Like that, that was how they created the the new mutants, you know, uh, like, like Laura and, and the other ones. Uh, I understand that, that, but I don't know. It just for some reason I thought it, it bugged me. Other than that, though, I liked the story in general. It felt like it felt very much kind of like a. Um, uh, someone on Twitter described it as a uh, Wolverine done by Sam Peckinpah, and I can't remember. <laughs> and I can't remember who said it, but it was like a perfect description of it. Uh, oh, you know who I think it was? I think it was Pat Oswalt. I think Pat Oswalt. Really? Um, and I, I, that's a perfect description for it. It, it, it. You know, it is. It has this kind of gritty, old school, like kind of seventies, like gritty movie kind of feel to it. Um, and uh, it, it, it pulls no punches. It's it's dark, it, it, you know, and uh, I, I, you know, you see the, you know exactly who she is the second she's uh, introduced on screen. You know, you know that uh, uh, what kind of uh, what kind of relationship they're going to have. Now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, X23 in the comics, 
maybe I'm wrong on this. I gotta look it up first just to just to absolutely make sure that I'm right on this. So give me two seconds before I before I actually say that's exactly what it is. Hold on one second. Sure. Um, But I guess in the meantime, while you look that up, I could just talk about quickly. Like I just love the uh, cinematography. There was some great shots here, especially of a, a like the way the uh, the action was shot, the the background when they're driving across the landscape. Like there was some beautiful shots there. And then I really liked how the um, how they portrayed Eden. Like the shots of Eden, bro, are freaking amazing. And that's definitely big ups to the cinematographer on this one. It, it, it's actually a lot of these shots are, are really actually gorgeous. I'm being honest, but. Yeah, that, no, the, it was shot very well. So I, I had to look it up because I wanted to make sure. So in the comics, X-23 is not uh, Wolverine's daughter, but she rather she is a female clone of Wolverine. So that, that so that's that that is one thing where they differ in things that she's not that she's that she's his clone. So that's so the second she popped up on screen, I thought that's what they were going to do with it. But instead, they went the daughter route. But that, I mean, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Um but even if even if you didn't know that storyline going in, even if you didn't know that act, uh, character going in, you you'd still were get you would be able to guess like where where their relationship is going and who's uh, who she probably is going to end up being, especially when those claws pop out, right? right. So uh, so yeah, uh, I thought she I thought the actress I think her name is Daphne Keene yeah. uh, did a wonderful job. Um, she was, uh, she's very good. Uh, I think that, like you said, I think you mentioned that was her first time as her first film. Uh, she was, she was excellent. Um, the, the, you know, I did like the road trip aspect of it and the, um, as, as they went on the road and had obviously the bonding with the father and daughter and the, the kind of reconnection with the, the, the father and son with, uh, Professor X and uh, Logan, uh, and then of course uh, you know all the action throughout the film was was great, and then you know the payoff at the end was good. Um, uh, without getting too much into spoilers, I, I think uh, there were two major occasions where where, where maybe the uh, the eyes got a little watery. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say more than that, but but uh, where where the you you may have felt a little emotional going in or going out coming out of that movie and, and, and specifically two specific instances. Uh, I'm not sure about you, but I certainly did. <laughs> uh, I I don't think it needs to be said. I I think everybody did. I mean, if you have a heart, you did at least, in my opinion. But uh, um, the last thing I want to talk about, and I'm gonna put a big spoiler tag on this. Um, so if you haven't seen Logan yet, well, I would stop it here, go back. See Logan and then come back and listen to this last part of the review. Um, so the ending, bro. Do you know? Because I want to talk about like where I don't know if you know where the franchise is headed from here because I haven't really like looked into it and researched it. But okay, so you have the next X Men like X Men with the uh, Fastbender and uh, McAvoy chronology. I think Mister Sinister is like the going to be the bad guy in that one. Where does like Wolverine fit into this now? They're gonna reintroduce him in that movie now that he's dead in this one, or like, how, do you know how it's gonna work, or any rumblings at all about the future? I don't know. To be honest with you, I don't know where they're going with it. Because that was because the uh, timeline now is just so like it's it's like all over the place. The timeline is beyond fucked. It's it's <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's not even something funny how messed up it is. Uh, the next the next film I believe is gonna be called X Men: The The New Mutants. Um, I'm not sure if that's just they're gonna, because the New Mutants are a separate 
thing than the X-Men are. They're like a separate, like, um, um, how do I put it? The New Mutants are, so if like Cyclops and Jean Grey and Storm or whatever are like the senior class, the New Mutants are like the freshmen, right? They're like a separate class altogether and they have their own adventures than the, than the main team. So I don't know if the new the X-Men New Mutants movie that's kind of planned is um, the next, you know, main series X-Men movie. Uh, I thought they had put the series on hold because Apocalypse had underperformed. So I don't know if they're going to do another – right now, I'm not sure if they're going to do another uh, standard X-Men movie right now. So it's kind of up in the air. I know that Wolverine has said he's done. He said the only way he'd, put, he'd be Wolverine again is if somehow uh, they, they got the, the universes to merge with, with Marvels uh, and they were able to do – have him be in the Avengers. I think the only reason he said that is because he knows that the, that is a pie-in-the-sky non-possibility non, uh, right now. Although you never know, they did get Spider-Man, but um, but this, but you know, it, it's it's not impossible, but it's currently not probable. So I think that's why he said it. Uh, I, I think uh, I think uh, Patrick Stewart has said he's completely done. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do with Wolverine. I, I don't. I think that with Wolverine, you kind of have to wait another like 20 years before you do it again because Hugh Jackman is way too fresh and he's 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 defined that role and I was thinking about it today he's been Wolverine for 17 years now obviously not every single year was there was a Wolverine movie but he did nine X-Men films in 17 years so the audience is used to him as Wolverine at this point it'd be I mean he he's been Wolverine longer than than Christopher Reeve was Superman He's been Wolverine longer than Robert Downey Jr. has been Iron Man. Uh, he, he's right. attached to that role, and I don't think anybody—I don't think people are going to accept anybody else as Wolverine at this point. So I think you kind of have to let a generation go uh, before you start, like before you start up the franchise again with it. With I would start the—I would just restart the reboot the franchise from the beginning and and go on with over. I mean, you can keep the Deadpool movies going; that's fine. But I mean, just just start over with Wolverine uh, and like. 10, 15, 20 years because no one's going to – I think people wouldn't accept it. I know that's that's never going to happen because there's no way people are going to be – are going to like let that money train go. Uh, but you know, because right now Logan is doing pretty good. It's doing I think better than X-Men Apocalypse did. So uh, – Surprisingly. Yeah, X-Men Apocalypse I think uh, kind of – I'm not going to say it sunk the franchise, but it didn't really do it any favors. So right now, I don't like looking at IMDb. There's no real plans for another X Men movie right now. So um, I don't know. Yeah, I think they're right now. They're I think focusing more on the TV aspect. Like you have Legion that's going on right now, and then there's going to be like an X Men series supposedly for FX as well, or it might be on Fox actually. I don't not FX. It might actually be on the actual Fox uh, Fox network. But um, I don't think that's been finalized yet. But like it's pretty much close to being finalized. So I think they're focusing. Well, on Legion TV is right a separate. Now. Legion is a separate thing, though. But it's still in the X Men universe, though, isn't it? No, it's not. It's not it's in the not. same universe. Really? It's it's the, there's mutants, and I think the X Men exist. I've never, I have not watched the show, but from my understanding is that it is not part of like the mainstream X Men universe. It's a separate universe. Uh, same with this movie, by the way. Um, James Mangold has said that this movie doesn't really fall in line with the other movie. Now they do mention the things that happen in the other movie. They talk about. Uh, uh, you know, about the Statue of Liberty. They talk about uh, how whenever he found him, he was a cage fighter and things like that. 
but those things might have happened in this storyline. But according to James Mangold, they don't necessarily follow the same timeline the other movies do, which, you know, it just goes to show that, uh, you know, art imitates art because the comic books are just as convoluted as far as the 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 timeline and everything goes. Because I saw, I think I posted this video. um, I think you posted it too. But this guy basically explaining the different timelines about how whenever they go back in time in, in a Days of Future Past, it creates alternate timelines and it splits everything off. And that's in a Logan is really, uh, you know, uh, following the second timeline. That's all well and good. But the only problem with that is, is that there's still things that aren't explained by that theory. Like, uh, you know, how, you know, in, in, in uh, X-Men The Last Stand, Angel is one age. And, but he, in uh apocalypse which takes place like 20 years earlier he's still the same age or um emma frost who's like a grown woman in uh first class is like a little girl in x-men origins which takes place after first class so it's uh the whole it doesn't explain any of that stuff so uh it, 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 the timeline is still beyond fucked so it, you don't, don't even don't even like pay attention to that stuff because it's just you just kind of have to take it to a grain of salt so logan just pretend it, it you know if you want to have certain things mesh into it you can but for the most part like apparently it doesn't take place in that in that universe it's just it, uh, if we try to just sit here try to start piecing through all the x-men and how like the the plot holes and the anachronism oh, no, they're, they're, it's, totally, it's, it's, it's like swiss cheese it's full of holes it doesn't make any sense uh you know the because Brian Singer, in in his in his attempt to, to erase uh, X Men Origins and X Men The Last Stand, uh, while I can totally appreciate that, he created more potholes. So like it, it's it's kind of it's kind of a mess. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but before we uh, move on, two other things I want to bring up. Number one, Eric LaSalle getting a payday here was very I was very happy to see that guy. I don't think he's done little things here and there like for tv movies and such but i haven't seen him really since er like after er finished he kind of just disappeared so to, see him, to see him in a in a big like blockbuster i was i was very happy like you know eric was any guy anytime eric was going to get a payday I'm, I'm very happy about that and uh number two that last shot bro of laura flipping the cross into the x sign i was that was done bro I'm sure everybody in theater was done. Too that was good. That, that was good. And she quoted the lines from Shane, which was really good. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was that was good stuff. Oh, I popped when uh, when uh, Professor X was showing Laura on the TV. They were watching Shane together. That was that was a that was a big mark. And the second you yeah. saw that, you're like, well, that's gonna play until the end somehow. So like, <laughs> because as at the end of the film, uh, have you seen Shane? I have. I was part of my uh, okay. part of my film class. Yeah, so at the end of the film, you know, he's 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 riding off into come the back, uh, come back, Shane, come back. A lot of people theorize that he's dead at the end of that shot because he doesn't respond. Like he just keeps he keeps riding off and he doesn't like look back because he had just been in a gunfight. So yeah. it's, it's people's. So there are people that some people theorize that he's he's fine. Some people theorize he's dead. Uh, I I happen to the romantic in me thinks he's dead. So <laughs> uh, so uh, to me, I thought when I saw it, it was like well. I think I know where this movie's heading. So, and and I like the whole uh, uh, tell your tell your mother there's no more guns in the in the in the valley or something like that. Yes. Uh, it, was a, it was a really good good ending. Uh, so that last shot with the uh, with the cross and the um, and the X symbol, like you said, was really cool. Uh, I, I thought this was a very well done movie. It's one of the it is it it, it really um, 
And I gotta be honest, if, if, if taking Deadpool out of the equation, if I could be done with X Men movies for a while, I don't really need any more. I think we're good for a while. I think the I think you're done with what you're gonna do with this franchise. Um, I, I think Apocalypse. While I didn't hate it as much as other people did, I thought it. it I thought it's just too much at that point, and we we really don't need any more. Uh, and, and you know, I know that might be uh, what's what I'm looking for. Blast me to some people because they still enjoy these movies. But Apocalypse, while I hate, didn't hate it. It still wasn't on the same quality as uh, the previous films like First Class and Days of Future Past. So I, I just don't. I don't think we need any more right now. So you keep Deadpool going. That's kind of its own franchise anyway. We've wrapped up with Logan. Logan is that was a great ending to that to put a bow on that on that franchise. Uh, and let's just wait a while before we do X Men again. I think we're I think we're good for a while. I think I'm I'm inclined to agree with you there. Just the way this like this was like would be the perfect ending for that X Men universe, right? This this film right here. Yeah, and um, I'm, I mean it's nine movies. That's a lot of movies. Like you know, yeah. like it's it's like let it go, let it let it sit and let it sit a while. Wait like 10, 15 years, and then reboot the franchise again. Like we don't really need more X Men movies right now. Keep Deadpool going, but X Men, I think we're we're good. We we told the stories, we can tell with that. Uh, and let's just wait a little while before we do it again, because uh, that that he put a good bow on that film and not on the on that franchise. And I like things to end, you know. Yeah. I, as much as I enjoy like. Um, the, I mean, the 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 for example, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that can be ongoing because you always have different characters that you can play with, right? Whereas with X Men, it's like, okay, we've told the story over and over and over again. I think we're done now. So, I, I like things to end, and, and that's fine. We can have that ending now. That's true. Um, I did also like just real quick before we move on the uh, the kind of like meta meta universe they have in there where like. In Logan, they actually have X Men comics. <laughs> you yeah. see him flipping through it. <laughs> he goes like, "Yeah, maybe out of maybe, maybe like twenty percent happened. The rest is bullshit." <laughs> like, like how does that even work, bro? Like, like that. That's that's some like really wacky like meta shit to have X Men comics in the X Men universe. You know, it's just like how does that even work? But whatever. You know, I feel like I've seen another comic book movie do something like that, and I'm trying to remember what it was, and I can't remember now. I feel like I've seen that concept before where like a comic book movie had that concept where people read comics with the characters in them. Um, but I can't remember it now. I don't know. Right. But but I mean overall, like, like we said, Logan – bro, it, it, it's funny because with Logan, you show this to somebody who's never seen an X-Men movie, which is I, – I know it's harder and harder to find these days, but – you just hypothetically, you show this to anybody who's never seen an X Men movie, doesn't really know about superhero movies, comic book movies, any type of that stuff, and you think maybe the person would say this this, this feels more like a drama than like a superhero film or a comic book movie, and I think that's where it really shines because it's not it doesn't fit into like one genre. You can call it it is a superhero movie, it is a comic book movie, but it's also like a, a dramatic film, just a straight up drama. And I think that's what gives well, – what will give, in my opinion, Logan, like its legs to stand on to kind of like be remembered and to kind of just age gracefully is the fact that it doesn't fit into just the traditional superhero film genre. It's also a very emotional drama – I mean uh, uh, emotional drama film as well. So definitely big ups to James Mangold, to everybody there, uh, Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart. Thank you, Hugh Jackman, for the memories. Um, what, a, what a way to go out. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I agree with you. It, it it was a good way to go out. I would I would rank this in the top 
three X-Men movies. I would put that up there with Days of Future Past and X-Men United. Um, I would put that up there with those two. I don't. It's still too new to like rank it like number one or two or three. But I would put it in the top. It, like if there's nine X-Men movies, I'd put it in the top top three. You know, um, it, it was good. I, I really enjoyed this film. Uh, and if you enjoy the X-Men franchise, you should. You'll probably get a kick out of this one. Absolutely, absolutely. It's still in theaters, folks. And with the legs it's got right now, as far as box office, it's going to be in there for maybe another month. So you still have time to check it out. Uh, all right, so that's Logan. So we're going to move on to our second review of the day. Now, it's going to be kind of a mini review here because I really wish Adolfo had been able to see Get Out before the show, but unfortunately he was not able to. So, And I really want to talk to him about this because this is right, right up his alley as far as stuff that he likes. So I will just give a quick mini review of Get Out, and we're going to save it to probably next episode of the episode after when Adolfo does get a chance to see it, and then we're going to have the real, like, back and forth review for get up because this is a movie that needs to be talked about and i need to like kind of um talk off of somebody you know about this i can't i don't want to just talk solo but basically get out uh, is uh directed and written by jordan peele um it stars uh daniel kaluuya i don't know if i said that name correctly but uh allison williams bradley whitford caleb landry jones stephen rue and katherine keener um, i'm going to read the uh the Rotten Tomatoes synopsis for it because it pretty much covers all the bases here. So it says, now that Chris and his girlfriend Rose have reached the meet the parents milestone of dating, she invites him for a weekend getaway upstate with Missy and Dean. At first, Chris reads the family's overly accommodating behavior as nervous attempts to deal with their daughter's interracial relationship. But as the weekend progresses, a series of increasingly disturbing discoveries lead him to a truth that he could have never imagined. And I think that pretty much speaks volumes about this film. So the first thing I want to talk about is just the originality of this movie. Like I left – I mean you and I have been on this show many times complaining about the lack of originality in Hollywood or Mick Hollywood as Draven likes to say. Uh, you have you know something that's either an adaptation of a book or a reboot or a sequel or a remake or however you want to describe it. You know, More of those seem to be proliferating Hollywood than not. Which is why when something original and refreshing comes along, like Get Out, like a movie like Inception a few years ago, um, it's, you know, more people pay attention to it just because it's so fresh and a new concept. And here is basically just Jordan Peele showing off his wit, showing off his humor, showing off the satire that kind of is starting to make him like more famous around like the comedic, the comedic community. Especially after his, his the successful show Key and Peele. You know, now he's kind of branching off and starting to do his little side projects. This is, I, if I understand it correctly, this was like one of a, was a pet project of his as well. And he just, uh, he hit it absolutely out of the park. Um, the performances were great. I mean, nothing out of this world, but everybody played their part, you know, as they should. Everybody played their part believably. Um, but I think where, like, the, the gem or, like, the, the big thing about this movie comes is in its satire. The way it takes these, like interracial relationship or just the concept of like white guilt and kind of spins it on his head bro like there's a review i forgot who wrote it i think it was either rolling stone or might have been richard roper where they described the um they described the uh the the white people in this movie as the well-meaning white people and you we i'm sure like we we you know people that are like that or we've read about people like that where like they'll say oh i would have voted the white people who would be like i would have voted for obama a third time you know do you play golf i know tiger woods you know and, like, and, and with the way you look you could be a beast as an mma fighter like those are lines from the movie and i mean 
you have you know the the concept of just the well-meaning white person where like they're trying so hard not to be racist or to come off as racist that they'll say these little things that when you really examine it uh, they're, they're kind of racist and jordan peele just kind of takes this concept and plays around with it and kind of gets all the comedic juice he can out of it and the story that he creates out of this is just so unbelievably funny so unbelievably original and witty that I was laughing my ass off half the time. And the theater I was in was absolutely packed. It was absolutely packed with people. I think it was sold out. I can't I can't give you confirmation on that. But from what I saw, it was pretty much sold out except for one or two seats. And everybody was having a great time with the with the uh, with the comedy and with the uh, with the movie itself. Everything was just what it's audiences like that that I love being a part of. Like Superbad was one of the audiences where it was just like that with like every other like joke was like got this huge ovation and you know get out the experience watching get out in the theater was just like that as well so i mean i don't want to get into spoilers because i want to talk spoilers with you as often when you finally see it so i just want to kind of wrap it up by saying this is a great film if you're looking for originality in movies this is exactly up your alley um i would definitely while it's still in theaters because now with it has a 99 percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now now i want to i want to give you a quick question adolfo because you're going to probably get this right it had a 100% for the longest time. Now it has 99% because of one review. Can you guess who that motherfucker was? Armand White. Absolutely, Armand White. And this is what the title of his review is for, for this movie. I think I have it here somewhere. Uh, it says, Return of the Get Whitey movie. Get Out is a horror comedy for Black History Month. And it says that, what, did it, what was it exactly that the, all the media screening audiences that the new movie Get Out was cheering for? When the black protagonist, blah, 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 blah. I can't really say it because that'd be spoilers. But come on, man. Like, it's nice to see that this guy hasn't given up his trolling ways. Like, he's literally the only review that I can see on Rotten Tomatoes that's a negative review, which brought down the average to 99%. So fuck that guy because he has to be a stupid little contrarian. But as far as everybody else, go out and seek it out while you can while it's still in theaters. It's going to have some legs on it, just like Logan will. Um... If, like I said, if you're, into, if you're into originality, you're going to get a huge kick out of it, and you're going to enjoy that. I, I guarantee it. Yeah, so I, I am planning on seeing it. The circumstances beyond my control prevented me from seeing it this weekend. Uh, as to, I was desperately trying to get it in, but it just uh, just didn't happen, unfortunately. Now, you know, you, you, you're, you're talking a lot about the community guest elements of it. Is it is it along the lines of like like Cabin in the Woods, like that, where it's funny, but it's as a lot of uh, serious, uh, you know, horror in it. Uh, I would. I don't know about serious horror. Like there are horror, horror aspects to it, but I think what it's most talking about is like it's like kind of its racial undertones. That's what that, the comedy is about: the racial undertones and like kind of the satire of, of all of that. So it's not so much horror, like like there's like real horror in it, as opposed to like just the the witty satire that he kind of created this whole like story just to kind of convey all these racial undertones, which I thought was brilliant. Interesting. So I was just taking a sip of my beer here. So yes, again, definitely see Get Out. It's Not only is it hilarious, it's very thought-provoking in a way as well. So the movie just gets you talking, whether it's like just to, to make like jokes or whether to just really talk about like what he really meant by this line here and that line there. It's just, it's, it's, it's great, man. I know you're going to get a kick out of it. All right, I'm sure I will. All right, and uh, that does it for Get Out. Like I said, once Adolfo see it, we'll get into like a real like spoiler-heavy review because I really want to talk about different aspects of this film with him. But 
Uh, our last movie on the docket on this, uh, I guess you can call it a mini episode because, you know, our episodes go always like two hours long. Here we're already talking on like the, the 35 minute mark. It, it, it might be a mini episode for us, but for like every other podcast, like this is about an appropriate length of time. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, right? But uh, so our last film for the episode will be the one that just came out a couple days ago. That is Kong Skull Island. Uh, Dolfo, tell us a little bit about this film. So Kong Skull Island uh, takes place uh, in 1973. Uh, it is the next installment in the King Kong franchise, although it does uh, ignore previous films like the King Kong of 33, 76, and 2005. Uh, it is its own unique thing, so it almost kind of retells the discovering of King Kong uh, and uh, you know on Skull Island, and uh, it, it's a new adventure of, of how people would discover him. So the, all the other stuff has been written out, and, and we're starting fresh with this one. So it's almost like a remake, but I would actually qualify more like a reboot because a remake kind of uh, – a remake would kind of um, – uh, you would expect that it would retell the same story when this doesn't really retell the same story. It tells a different story altogether. Um, so the film is, uh, is about uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Bill Randa who is a uh, – uh, what, kind of, what kind of scientist is he? He's the John Goodman character. I'm not, I'm not sure you could call him. But basically he's a scientist. He believes that there are monsters on the in the world, and uh, he he's discovered that uh, the last uncharted island in, in, in the in the entire world has just been discovered, and he wants to take a crew of military and other scientists out there to kind of uh, go out and kind of explore the explore the territory. Uh, he takes along with him uh, Tom Hiddleston, who's uh, who's I think his name is James Conrad, who is a a former uh, a former. Uh, British special forces agent that he's he's now an experienced tracker. Samuel L. Jackson is the is the uh, is the the I'm what I don't know. I think he's a lieutenant in the uh, in the army. He leads he leads a squad of of, of soldiers. Uh, Brie Larson is a photographer. Uh, John well John C. Riley we discover him later. Uh, and um, you know and plus a whole team of scientists to kind of go to kind of discuss, you know see what's going on on this island and they the movie pretty much does not waste any time the second they get to that island you see kong and he starts blowing shit up uh and this is by far as far as uh as far as uh, big screen adaptations of king kong goes this might be the biggest version of him because in previous films uh he was more of a um, I mean, he was big, but he's maybe like 20, 30 feet tall. This one, he's the size of a skyscraper. Uh, he's he's an enormous giant monster, and he's about, he's like the size of Godzilla. And we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, why that why that's relevant? But he's but he's he's enormous. Uh, and basically, they discover that he's on this island, and uh, he he's there, and he does not like being being attacked like these uh, these army guys attacked him. Uh, but he's also there uh, fighting off other giant destructive monsters uh they come across uh uh john c Riley character whose name is escaping right now who's been there since the 1940s he was trapped on that island and he's kind of there to guide the audience and the newcomers as to what exactly is going on on this island uh and basically the rest of the film is all the survivors of king kong's attack trying to get off the island while not only dodging king kong but also the uh the other giant monsters that the, the that are uh, inhabiting the island, including these giant lizard-like things that are really the main uh, the main adversary. But there's also that. Uh, in addition to that, there's also these giant uh, spiders and 
giant octopus and all sorts of giant monsters everywhere. Uh, this is basically a big scale monster movie in the in the in the vein of Pacific Rim, in the vein of uh, the 2014 version of Godzilla. Uh, it, it's a big, huge. Huge, uh, huge scale monster film. It does not pull any punches. It gets right into the action right away. Unlike the uh, the 2014 Godzilla, which you had to wait like an hour before you saw any sort of anything happen on screen. This movie kind of get right into it after about 15 or 20 minutes of exposition. They get right into the action with with, with the with the giant monsters. And uh, it, I I thought this film was a lot of fun. Um, I think I enjoyed it more than the 2014 Godzilla. Uh, it, it's uh, there were. T- I think it could have been just a little bit shorter. There were times I thought I was it was dragging a little bit in the middle. Uh, but I think they could have cut some of that stuff out. But a more other than that, I I really I really had a good time. I mean, it's certainly not. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's certainly not gonna uh, <laughs> gonna change your life or or speak speak uh, poetic things to you. But if you're looking for you know giant monsters killing each other, you can do. But you can't. You can do worse than this film. <laughs> now, I'm pretty much in agreement with you about that. It is a very fun movie, very action-packed. Um, even I was kind of taking it back a little bit. Like, as soon as they got to the island, like, just Kong showed up and started messing shit up. And I was like, hmm, already. Because I remember Godzilla, and I remember that it took so long for us to see that guy. And with Kong, he kind of just he just showed up and started wreaking havoc. So that was I was taking it back with that because I was going to assume – like they've done in the past, they were going to hold him off a little bit longer. But I kind of applauded the effort. It took a little bit of balls to do that. But I was like, eh, you know, it, it, it's, it's good enough. I mean, it kind of gets the story going. Um, the main criticism, and I kind of have to agree with the uh, with the criticism on this, would be the uh, the characters. Like, they come off just very one-dimensional. Oh, yeah, they absolutely do. Where you don't really kind of – like, this movie really doesn't need the human characters. You know, there's like no, there's no one human character is really essential to the plot. Um, it's really just the movie about Kong, you know, and so the humans kind of come off just as like filler, <laughs> and as a result, like they're not like written or characterized very well. And then you have like these hollow, one-dimensional characters. You know, I mean, yeah, you kind of have Tom Hiddleston has that little brief moment with Brie Larson talking about his father and whatnot. It kind of reminded me of the scene where they gave, like, in Rogue One, where they gave Diego Luna that, like, one scene to talk about, like, his childhood. And then that was it. So, um, so I guess, like, maybe Tom Hiddleston might maybe complain, hey, give me some more characters. They kind of just wrote him this one scene over lunch and shit. <laughs> but, um, but other than that, like, the human characters come up, like, just as fodder for the monsters. And, you know, I kind of really would have liked to have built a connection with one of these characters. But then again, we're not there for the humans. We're there to see Kong. And Kong kicks ass. <laughs> and, I mean, the scenes that he's in are awesome. Like, I mean, but you did notice, like, after his first introduction, where he starts smashing the helicopters, he kind of disappears for, like, most of the movie after that. Like, you see him again, like, in the in the river for a little bit. And then you see him again, I guess, one at a time. And then at the end, that's when you have that big battle. But after his introduction, they kind of space him out, too. And you kind of get to know, like, the Skull Crushers and the other monsters that are on the island. But... Um, but we're there to see Kong, and the mo- moments that Kong is on screen, he kicks absolute ass, and it's really well. The, the action sequences are really well done and very well structured. Um, but again, like the humans, like, and then it comes off to the to the point where like the human scenes, like that don't add anything, just come off very pointless and boring. So I mean, th- it's one of those movies where like its main attraction is going to be its action sequences, and it's like the fact that it's Kong. 
So the times that there's no action, there's no Kong, and you have these pointless characters being there, it kind of just kind of sucks the life out of the movie. I don't know what you think. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Uh, I mean, I think there are two characters that actually have, you know, are given something to do, and that's the Samuel L. Jackson character and the John C. Riley character. True. Yeah, that's true. The, I, I, Samuel L. Jackson character, I mean, you can see he has some motivation for what he's doing. Um, and the uh, the John C. Riley character, he's a little more comic relief, but he but he has a story and an arc that you know that follows through throughout the film. Um, the uh, you know, I, I think there was waste potential with the John Goodman character. Like, you know, they kind of introduced something where he like kind of tells a story about you know how he knows that there's monsters on this world because uh because his his boat was attacked by blah 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 and like <laughs> but it was kind of just dropped after that like it's it's it, it's a it's a far cry from the Quint USS Indianapolis Beach and Jaws right like he needed something like that to kind of give you like the why is this guy here why does he care so much you know why does he but it, he doesn't really have that so it it falls a little flat to me um I mean, not John Goodman's fault. He did the best with what he had. I mean, I love John Goodman. Uh, but it just fell a little flat for me. Like, the, the only people that really had any motivation was was uh, was Samuel L. Jackson and and uh, and John C. Riley. Everyone else, like, I totally agree, totally replaceable. Uh, I mean, Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson, their characters, I mean, I like both those actors. Uh, I especially like Brie Larson. She was pretty to look at on screen, you know. Uh, but she's more than just something pretty to look at. She's, I mean, as evidenced by Room last year, she's a great actress. So you didn't need her in this movie. You could have used any sort of up-and-coming actress that needs a big break in a big motion picture like this. Just put her in that role because you don't need a Brie Lar someone on the level of Brie Larson in that role. Right. She's she is someone who has won an Oscar and she's uh, going to start her own Marvel franchise pretty soon. She's uh, she's a kind of a big deal right now. You don't like putting her in this role does nothing for her career, really. I mean, I'm sure it'll do. And don't get me wrong. I'm sure she'll get some sweet royalties out of it. But I mean, it doesn't really do anything for 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 it doesn't. She doesn't really add anything to her career by doing this. So. To, and you know who knows? Maybe she signed on to it before all this other stuff started coming through, and that, that's a good possibility. But uh, it, she's just kind of wasted in this role to me. Uh, yeah. Same with Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston is a big star now, like with the Avengers movies and the Thor movies. People like him, and he's a very good actor. He's very charismatic. And again, he's wasted here. You could have used this. Those two roles could have been used for like any like. 20 to 30 something year old uh, haven't seen them before have been really mostly on indie movies but now they're they're trying to step into the big uh, the big blockbuster movie kind of like those kind of actors you know that are on the bubble of that's what that's what those roles are for right like they're not for like a Tom Hiddleston or a Brie Larson you know like we that was a waste to me like the, those characters really meant nothing they were just there like she was there to be a photographer right? But what did she? I mean, she photographed a bunch of stuff, but then, like, she her photographs had no impact on anything. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. uh, and Tom Hiddleston was supposed to be a tracker. He has like one tracking scene in the whole movie, and then that's it. Like, and then he turned bro, and then he turned into a badass like samurai ninja with that sword. Did you see? Did you see him like flying in the air with the sword, bro? Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> like so corny and cheesy, but it was like it, in a way it, it was it was hilarious and fun though. It was silly. Uh, yeah. uh, it, it, you're here to watch monsters destroy things, and, and and that's what you get. It delivers on that front. And you know, I'm not a big fan of like the the old school Japanese Godzilla stuff. Now, I love the original 
1954 Godzilla. Oh, like Classic. original, original is amazing. But I'm not a big fan of all those like those like horrible like sequels where like it's where they're so cheesy and like the 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 cheesy songs and like they're fighting the monsters and so like I I kind of don't like those. I think they're really bad. And like I can't even appreciate them for how cheesy they are. They're just kind of like. I, there's just something about them. I can't. I, I can't get on board with it. I understand why some people like them, but I just can't get on board with it. I much prefer something like a Pacific Rim, which is, which, which while it obviously takes um, full like inspiration from those films, it actually looks good. Like I can't deal with the poor production value of those those, those cheesy Godzilla movies, right? So I, I think I think I'm just using that as a segue as uh, this. Um, this film, due to some some of, some of the hits that they dropped in the film, plus a uh, post credit sequence, uh, it's uh, it takes place in the same universe as the 2014 Godzilla. That is that is true. Um, there is a uh, about two minute long post credit sequence that kind of starts setting up the uh, what where the, this universe, this legendary monsters universe, is going. Um, so. There's something to look forward to in that. Um, I think they already confirmed like Godzilla vs. King Kong is coming in like 2020 or some shit. Um, I think so. I'm not sure. I'm going to look that up for you. But it's coming soon. Um, and I also wanted to bring up this point. I want to get your opinion on this too. Not so yeah, much 2020, you're right. Godzilla vs. Kong 2020. 2020, right? There you go. So in three years, we're going to get the big, uh, the big fight. Which, if it's anything like... Batman vs. Superman, uh, but, but I do want to bring up an interesting kind of trend here that I'm noticing, and I want to get your opinion on this too, because I first heard this um, when I saw uh, Chris Stugman's review on YouTube for uh, for Kong, and this, this movie itself kind of continues a trend of kind of studios kind of plucking these indie directors and giving them, like, this big blockbuster. Like, we have Gareth Edwards, who did, I think his claim to fame was Monsters, which is the big indie hit that he did, and then he got plugged to do the Godzilla reboot. You have uh, um, who's, uh, Colin Trevorrow, who did uh, Safety Not Guaranteed, which is a big indie hit. Um, actually, it's a very it's a great movie, by the way, for those who haven't seen it. Um, and then he ended up doing Jurassic World. I think he's doing one of the... Doing, the Han Solo movie is him, right? Or he's doing a Star Wars. No, movie. Colin Trevorrow is doing the Episode Nine. Episode Star- Nine. Han Solo is being done by uh, Lord Miller, who did Twenty One Jump Street and the Lego Movie. There you go, there you go. And then now you have, uh, then you have this guy, uh, Jordan Vock Roberts. I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly. Who did uh, Kings of Summer, which actually screened at my uh, my local Montclair Film Festival when it was doing the its festival circuit, and now it's been given Con Skunk Island. Um, do you think like, like now just based on like those projects, like like from indie film director to like blockbuster directors, like you have like for example, you know, Jordan Vogue Roberts did Kings of Summer, now he's doing Kong. Trevorrow did Safety Not Guarantee, now he's, he did uh, Jurassic World. Do you think that the uh, kind of the studios kind of plucking the indie directors and giving them a, a franchise to do is that like really the smart thing to do? Considering that I mean they're kind of used to like little having these little minuscule budgets with like but have having I guess what what's the word under the expression? I, I guess kind of a, a stronger script in a way, but with minuscule budget. Now you give them like kind of the opposite. You kind of give them this a limit, not unlimited, but like this huge budget franchise. You know, with minimal, I guess, storytelling and script and character development, do you think that translates over well as we've seen with the last 
couple of, of movies we've seen like with these these guys or do you think maybe it's something they should probably um tone down for a little bit no i have no problem giving a younger younger directors a shot i think what they look for is 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 two things you know one a, a director who you know based on the previous films regardless of whether or not it was a genre movie or any sort of sci-fi or action or or whatever kind of movie uh regardless of that uh they want to see okay does this does the person have any sort of discernible talent but they also i think want to get someone with a young enough of a career that they could still mold and kind of boss around if they need to you know like uh they're not going to get like an established indie director like to do something like that you're not going to see like a a jim jarmusch right like doing a <laughs> godzilla movie right yeah but like uh, colin trevorrow or uh uh, uh what's his name jordan vote roberts i think his yeah. name is yeah. uh like these guys they had one one or two films under their belts like they're they're still like you know you know they had uh you know they they showed some skill with the camera and they showed some some depth depth of storytelling and they kind of have some some kind of uh indie street cred so that when you put them on a big movie like it it you know obviously like they're they're still young enough that like you get put in a big movie like that, it kind of jumpstarts your career. And you know, sometimes these guys are probably going to be like, well, even if they don't want to do it, or like if they don't, if they don't really care about the subject matter, they're still going to take the money so yeah. that they can make their other movies later. You know what I mean? So uh, I think it's a it's a good symbiotic relationship if they do it right. I think where it fails is in situations like Fantastic Four and uh, uh, what's his name, Josh Trank. Uh, that's whenever the formula yeah. fails because that guy should not have been giving a, a given a multi uh, a huge huge like a hundred million dollar budget or however much that movie costs um but like you know colin trevorrow uh you know that movie had its flaws but the, but the movie also delivered a big you know big huge way um uh godzilla 2014 with the uh, uh who did that uh matt reeves no oh, gareth edwards yeah. gareth edwards like that guy um, you know that that film also did well at the box office. It didn't do Jurassic World numbers, but it did well at the box office. Uh, and it had flaws, but you know it was still at least entertaining. Uh, so um, I, I don't have a problem with it. I think it can work. Uh, it's been working well so far with some of these guys, but you know some other guys you kind of really have to keep your eye on. Like Josh Trank should never be given a multi, like a big budget movie <laughs> ever again. Yeah. Like ever ever again. Like he 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 proved that he's not he's not trustworthy with a with a big budget. So um, yeah, I think the, the this guy did a solid job with Kong. Uh, I think a lot of the problems with like the script that we have with it, like I don't think that's on him. That's on you know movies like this are. are uh, they're movies by committee, right? So like they, they come in, they're they're hired to do a job, but like the script is gonna get approved by producers and 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 uh, heads of the heads of the studio and things like that. So at the end of the day, he might not have had much control over that over that script. But from the actual you know production and the and, and the direction and everything, I thought it it was a good looking movie. It it, uh, it it was fun. It had it was paced well. Um, except for the middle, I thought there was some some pacing issues there. Um, but uh, I mean, you can really ask for more as far as a monster movie goes. So I was happy with my monster movie. And again, not yeah. not super. I'm, I'm not. It's not going to make my t top ten at the end of the year, but uh, it's a solid, uh, fun movie that that you know it's, it's an enjoyable watch. Yeah, and and again too, like you kind of alluded to uh, a little briefly, like it, it looked good, like the the uh, the animation, the uh, the uh, all of that stuff, the uh, all that looked good, I thought. Like, it didn't look, like, too much like green screen, although, like, some people will argue otherwise. Oh, 
there was this, I don't want to get any spoilers, but there was this sequence here that looked totally green screen. I, I don't agree with that. I didn't really see anything that looked like fake or anything. It, like the, the, the graphics, all that was really, really good, I thought. And it didn't take me out of the movie for, for a second. Like, all this stuff about, you know, the characters, yeah, we can kind of nitpick about, you know, these characters having no point. Although I do agree with you that the, uh, I guess the most developed ones were the Samuel L. Jackson uh, lieutenant character and the John C. Riley pilot character were, were at least given some sort of development, even if it was not ideal. But, I mean, they there were, this was motivations to them. So I will agree with you on that. But everybody else was pretty much just, you know, monster food in, an extent, <laughs> in a sense. But, uh, I mean, other than that, like, the, the, the story is very simple. You know, it's nothing nothing too out there. Uh, it's very easy to get into. Like, the, the action sequences are amazing. Kong does this thing. You see him go out there and start smashing stuff and breaking jaws and all that other stuff. And it's, it's just really a really fun sit-through. And, you know, out of maybe the three movies we're talking about today, maybe this is, like, the least one that you should go run out and see. But, I mean, if you're, if you're just looking for, like, a you know, to spend a, a good two hours having fun, and watching Kong destroy stuff, then yeah, I, I would definitely check this out. But I mean, definitely, <laughs> I would put Logan and Get Out definitely as must sees over over Kong. But uh, this is not to say that it's not a fun movie. It's a definitely a fun movie, and I'm sure if you're into like monster movies, if this is what you're going into, you'll definitely get a kick out of it as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, so I guess that's going to conclude for respective episode 91. Holy shit, bro. 91, bro. Um, any questions, comments, feedback, just send an email to fpmpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have the Force Perspective Social Media Empire, the uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash fpmoviepodcast. Twitter, we're on Twitter at fpmoviepodcast, and we're also on Instagram at fpmpodcast podcast uh dolfo do you have any plugs for us today i do uh please visit uh essentialfilmspodcast.com follow me at uh, essential films uh, on twitter and uh, the essential films podcast is uh as as uh as my esteemed co-host here knows is a uh, a podcast that we do separately which is about the classic films the essential films of of hollywood and and, and the days gone by we've done uh classic movies in the past like vertigo and citizen kane and the godfather our most recent film that we that is up now that you can listen to um is uh some like it hot the marilyn monroe film from uh, 1959 with uh billy wilder directing and uh jack lemon and tony curtis dressed in drag one of the funniest movies ever made so uh yeah please check that movie out and check the check the podcast out as well uh we had a good time recording it and uh, on our next show we're going to be doing rear window uh no drop date for that yet but uh uh, just keep an, just subscribe to the show on iTunes and uh, you'll get it automatically as soon as it's ready. Exactly, exactly. And that that some like a hot show was was fun to record. Definitely check that one out. So, a couple of programming notes. Next episode, um, I'm gonna it's gonna be basically up to Adolfo and Draven's schedule, but I will be bringing them back on for a fun little side episode where we talk about one of the most infamous exploitation films in existence right now. I won't reveal what it is, but. Um, for those of you who are into like exploitation horror, you're gonna get a kick out of it. Um, and then after that, I mean, what's coming up this week at Belco? It's Beauty and the Beast, and it's the Belco Experiment that are this Friday. And then we have the following week is Power Rangers. So I guess we'll come back that weekend because that's the weekend before I leave for Orlando. Um, and then we can do a you can do a show on those films. So that'll be episode 93. But 92, oh, 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 we got a treat for you guys. Um, 
But anyway. It's not um, a dream for me. <laughs> uh, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, and not not the no, Tommy Lauren a, final thoughts, just like just your own personal final thoughts. Don't bring that name up with me. <laughs> <laughs> no final thoughts. Nope. Good okay. to go. Good to go. All right. So, again, everybody, thank you so much for joining us on Force Perspective. On behalf of Adolfo on Sports Sky 515, and we will see you next time. So take it easy, everybody. We'll see you later. I hurt myself today to see if I still feel I focus on the pain the only thing that's real the needle tears a hole the old familiar sting try to kill it all away but I remember everything What have I become My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away in the end And you could have
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.